Welcome back to Nishant's world. If you are wondering, I am Nishant. If you are wondering why my voice is a little off today, maybe a little strained, uh, that is because we have just concluded week one of NFL football. Uh, it is right about to be week two right now, and my voice is still gone from this Sunday. I was at the uh, Seahawks-Colts game in Indianapolis. Uh, me and my sister were able to take a bus up there, and that was incredible. I, I just want to start there because... The stadium was, I mean, I've been to a few NFL stadiums. And this was, this one was by far the coolest. Lucas Oil, um, if you have not been there and you have a chance to, I could not recommend it more. It's just a crazy different environment from anything else that I've been to. Uh, and, you know, they have a huge window, just shining light in there. And, and for, for a game in the, in the, in the afternoon, the early slate, um, it was just, it was just a really cool, nice environment with, uh, with honestly very nice courteous fans. I you know normally when you go you're supporting a visiting team and you go on the road, you're expecting a little bit of hostility and a little a little bit of, you know, angst towards you. Uh I could not speak higher of Colts fans. It it was a great game. Everybody enjoyed it. Uh and it was really really mellow as far as the interactions between the fans. It was just everybody watching the game, having a good time and and afterwards, you know, we went around in in uh, Indianapolis and uh went to a few places and 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 talked to some Colts fans and even the ones that were diehard Colts fans were exceedingly nice welcoming uh and it's just an overall fantastic experience would definitely recommend visiting Indy and and going to the to the game especially and for uh, with with you know the Colts fans just wanted to shout them out for really being more gracious than I was expecting um, from any fan base, uh, so that was a really that was a really positive part of my week. And obviously, we got the, the got the win. The Seahawks got the win. That was obviously great. Uh, I will touch on the game a little bit later. I want to talk about something else in India that I saw, which was the statue of Peyton Manning. I was super excited to see the Peyton Manning statue because you know we all know that it's a sheriff statue. It's outside in front of the front gate and. Uh, it was incredible. We so we took the bus back a couple hours after the game. We got to walk around Indy for a little bit and see the second slate of games, and and then and then go back. And, and you know, when we got back, the the bus station, the Greyhound station, is right across from the uh, Peyton Manning statue. And so we just hung out with the Peyton Manning statue. I just sat by it for a little bit. Um, There's no one else there. It was just like kind of dusk energy. Really, really cool experience. It is an awesome structure building the statue it felt felt very powerful and the reason i wanted to start with that is because i so on the regular monday night programming was on espn but on espn 2 this week they had the first edition of the manning night football monday night manning whatever it is with uh paid manning and eli manning and i think for from a you know preliminary glance level this has a chance to change the way that people watch football, especially people that, you know, either are obsessed with the game or don't know a bunch about the game at all, because there's, there's two angles here. The first is if, if you want to know more, if you were already a huge football fan, you want to know more about the sport. There is no better teacher than paid Manning and Eli Manning was fantastic as well. And, the level of analysis was 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 crisp. Uh, the 
it was really smart, really, they didn't really dumb things down too much, which I really enjoyed. Um, they're able to explain some complicated concepts and really give you a, a look into the eyes of the quarterback, which, you know, there are some ways you can get that, you know, Troy Aikman was a quarterback for a very, very long time. So sometimes he'll give that side of sort of analysis, but hearing it from Peyton was, and, and Eli was, was pretty incredible. And to just be able to get that glimpse into what someone is thinking in that particular situation. Um, and they had Russell Wilson on as well in, in the, they had a couple of guests on, but they had Russell Wilson on in the fourth quarter of the game. And those three together was just some of the best television I've ever watched. They were just diving deep into the game, just doing ideas, commentary. And it was crazy to see a current player comment on a current game. I had not sort of had that experience before of watching, you know, with Russ who had played the day before, uh, g- giving his thoughts on this game between the Ravens and the Raiders and sort of, yeah, analyze all, all, all the stuff that's happening and just the real time reactions. You know, it was, it was visual too. You got to see their faces. Um, and, you know, aside from them not being in the same studio, I couldn't, couldn't have a complaint. It was incredible. And, and speaking of that, entertaining as well. So if you're not a huge football fan and you want to get into football, it would, I would also just highly recommend that experience because, there is a level of entertainment in which you don't have to pay attention. To, if you don't want to pay attention to the game every second of it, you can have there's things to engage you and and captivate you that that are happening at all times with skits and bits and jokes and whatnot. So, just hugely impressed by that. Um, with Peyton Manning just continues to take W's. I <laughs> I am shocked at this point. So, the the Raiders Ravens game uh, that you know. There's so many, not implications, but it was a really interesting Monday night matchup because on one hand, you have a team in the Ravens that's been consistently successful over the past few years, both before and after Lamar. When Even when they had Joe Flacco, they were pretty successful year after year. And, you know, now they have Lamar Jackson and the one year, his MVP year was a, a height for them. But then after that, they kept the level of success, but... People just weren't expecting that to be sustained in the playoffs. So this year is going to be huge for the Ravens because you have the one year that's a standout year. And a lot of people have that. You know, I'm going to talk about it in a a second with with Josh Allen and um, Cam Newton obviously had the 2015 year. And I think that's a good comparison because Cam, if people forget, there was no steep drop off after the Super Bowl year. He was pretty good for the few years after that. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league a few years after that. And then came the steep drop-off. But people remember it like he had the MVP season and then fell off the map. That's not what happened. And with Cam, and, and, you know, that's what Lamar has to look at and say, how do I generate the playoff success and become more unpredictable? Because realistically, we all remember where it was unstoppable and then Mike Vrabel and the Titans drew up a plan to stop him, which, you know, touching on with Logan a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, if you get him to move laterally, that's that's what's that's what's gonna happen. And so that strategy seems to have been not completely neutralizing him, but vastly taking away from the level of threat that he is. So this is a huge year for the Ravens to prove that that's not the case and to see if Lamar can ascend from a one-hit wonder pretty above average quarterback slash one hit wonder where he was like the best player in the league to 
an elite quarterback every year. That's going to be huge for him. As far as the Raiders go, I don't... It, it, the reason it's an interesting matchup because the Raiders are one of the most unpredictable teams in the league. Theoretically, the Raiders could beat most teams. Will they? None of us know. Because as we saw in this game, the Raiders have the potential to make the most bone-crushing mistakes, just completely losing momentum with, you know, the pick in the end zone, um moment you know the fumble just all this just absolutely losing the game but then somehow coming back and still winning it's it that that team is is either here or there a lot of people were talking about how it felt like a lot like Seahawks games but um yeah I, I think the Raiders do I I don't think they can beat the Chiefs for that division but could I see the Raiders as a wild card yeah if they have get on a hot streak absolutely I can see the Raiders in a wild card so that's just something to watch in the primetime matchups. There's so much else to get to, um, and I don't have enough time to completely analyze everything. So I'm going to try to come up with a few takeaways from each game, um, and then well, maybe one takeaway from the less meaningful games. Um, so let's let's just let's just dive into it. I got a list here. Uh, you know, starting at Arizona, Tennessee. So. I was, you know, while this game was happening, I was at the, uh, I was at the Seahawks game. So I did not watch it first, but I went back and watched it after, um, yesterday. I watched it yesterday. My number one takeaway is when you look at the box score, you know, of this game, it, and, and especially when you were, when I was checking the score while it was happening, it's just a blowout, right? The Cardinals won 38 to 13. And immediately your first thought is, what happened to the Titans offense. And at first the worry is that, you know, even even after they got, you know, they got Julio Jones. So it's like Julio Jones, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, you know, Ryan Tannehill's been playing well. Like it that's how is that not enough? And what you come away with when you watch it is that the offensive line Derrick Henry was neutralized from the get-go. And the reason is because Derrick Henry was tackled a lot of times behind the line of scrimmage. Derrick Henry is a guy that generates his running power with time. So he gets the ball and with every additional yard, he gets harder and harder and harder to stop. So, you know, pumping the accelerator in a way, if you try to tackle him five yards ahead, it's going to be a little harder than right behind the line of scrimmage. So when right when he gets the ball, there were plays right from the first running play where they would just tackle him behind the line of scrimmage. The offensive line was collapsing. And the thing about that is that Tennessee does not have a terrible offensive line. Tennessee has a pretty good offensive line. So, you know, looking at the Cardinals, obviously they have one of the better defenses in the league. And you have Chandler Jones on that team, who was just a monster in this game, just terrorizing them. You have now, you know, less productive, but still pretty much elite J.J. Watt. And with that group, there is a chance that you will have these games where the offensive line just gets mauled and can't do anything about it, especially in week one when there's no film, there's no preparation, it's the first matchup, you dive into the deep end. That can happen. As far as Tennessee goes, I don't think we have to press the warning bell yet. Tennessee 
I think has established themselves over the last couple of years as a team that will be in contention with this roster. Tennessee plays the Seahawks next week. So I think that will give them a more ideal look at a mid-tier defensive line instead of one of the best defensive lines in the in the country. So if Derrick Henry can't get anything going into Seahawks, okay, maybe then there's a little bit of concern. If they can pass the ball, if they can maybe that's that's when you start wondering a little bit what's going on. But as far as this goes, I wouldn't press the panic button yet on the Titans yet. How, however, on the opposite side of it, I don't want to take away credit from the Cardinals. The Cardinals, you know, going back and watching this game, the Cardinals looked very, very good. And the reason they looked very, very good is because the scheme just looked phenomenal. I mean, Kyler Murray ha- had a hell of a stat line, but the vast majority of his throws were medium throw medium throws to wide open receivers that were in just giant holes in the field. That's the product of scheme, good play design. And, you know, we were wondering before the season started, can Cliff Kingsbury live up to his name that earned him the spot um, right out of college before even becoming a head coach in college? Is it possible that, well, he was a head coach, but then, you know, the whole USC debacle. Anyways, we were wondering... Is he going to be able to live up to that reputation and, does, and you know, have that scheme and play design that truly le- elevates them to the point where they are a premier force? And I would say that based off of week one, absolutely. That was terrifying. I, you know, watching it, you know, as, as a person that wants the Seahawks to take the NFC West, that that is that's pretty scary, especially because the Cardinals were a team that pretty much everyone predicted would be last in that division. Uh, or at least most people saw them not being quite as good as the other teams. They looked absolutely fantastic. They were using, utilizing their weapons. They were utilizing DeAndre Hopkins. They were they were utilizing Kyler Murray's running ability. They were using utilizing their fantastic defense. And a lot of it on offense was, again, the play design, wide open receivers. That's a dangerous look. That is an offense that you're going to have to figure them out to stop. You can't hope to get lucky against that type of scheme. So I think that the Cardinals should be on watch as one of the better, at least one of the better offenses on the league and one of the best defenses. Um, it has a potential to be the best, def- one of the best defenses in the year. So yeah, I'm pretty scared of that. That's my takeaways from that game. Uh, moving on to the Jets Panthers. So I think here, a couple of things. The first thing is, the Panthers released this video uh, a few minutes before the game. And I remember being in, I was in the stadium and I got this thing that was like, the Panthers released this video and it's a mixed reality Panther, which makes it look like one of the statues outside the stadium comes to life and just pounces on the field. It's giant. And um, that was one of the weirder videos that I've ever seen, but it was pretty hype, honestly. I was impressed and uh, I think a lot of comments were like, the Jets should have just given up after this video came out. The game was really pretty close. And my big takeaway from this one is that Sam Darnold, and two two weeks ago, you know, when I was talking to Logan about predictions for this year, I was, you know, kind of predicting that when Sam Darnold has an elevated set of weapons from what he was dealing with in New York, we can predict a little bit of success because I don't think that he's terrible. And I think that's what we saw a little bit when Cam, when sorry, when uh, when Sam Donald has weapons like Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, 
and Curtis Samuel and, you know, <laughs> Robbie Anderson. When, when he has those weapons, it's, it's, it, it gets to a point where the threshold, I, I mention this often, that the threshold uh, is higher and we, we, the threshold for success is higher and the floor is higher. And Sam Darnold, I think, is going to take advantage of this level of weapons. And it's just... And and I, I want to make a brief clarification. Curtis Samuel does not play with fans. He plays for the, the Washington football team. But point being, I think with, with these guys, and, and especially Christian McCaffrey, and the ability to dump off the ball to Christian McCaffrey when you're in a pinch... The Panthers are masters at slip screens now, and that is going to be huge luxury for Darnold as he realizes that he has that safety blanket and he has that backup plan, and it's not really on completely on his shoulders um, anymore. And so I think we're going to see the Panthers be a solid mid-tier team this year. I don't think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league anymore. Of course, it may to be seen. From the Jets of the ball, I think we need a little bit more to watch with, you know, Wilson Howie Gee um, progresses through the year. I don't think the Jets are going to be good this year. Um, yeah. Minnesota at Cincinnati. I think as far as the Vikings go, the Vikings are another team that has solidly put themselves into competition every year and been above average. I think we can probably expect them to do that again this year. This was a close loss. It wasn't a blowout. It wasn't a shocker. I think everyone knew that the Bengals had a chance at this. And the, as for the Bengals side, I, I don't know about the defense, the Bengals' offense is as advertised. The Bengals are able to score now with, with their core. They have Joe Burrow. They have three premier receivers um, easily available. Uh, and they probably, they might have the best receiving core in the league. And, uh, you know, Joe Mixon doing his job as well. I, I think that offense is, is going to be able to score with just about anybody at the pace of just about anybody. So exciting times for the Bengals. So much all I have to say about that. As far as plexiglass cousins... Um, as I call him, because Kirk Cousins decided that instead of getting vaccinated, he wanted to build a plexiglass box for himself in the quarterback room. Aside from that, um, I, I yeah, I think we're going to have to wait and see for the Vikings. But the Bengals' offense looks very impressive. San Francisco at Detroit. Uh, Jared Gostel sucks. Uh, let's wait on Jimmy G before we deem the 49ers however good they are. I think Jimmy G is an above average quarterback. I think that he has gotten a lot of hate for not being Tom Brady. Um, and I think that should, we should recognize that the 49ers are, 49ers are a very real threat and have the potential to be one of the top few teams in this division. It's the best division in football. The NFC West, I, you know, is aside from maybe the NFC West, East for the opposite reason is going to be the hardest to predict uh, success and who's going to come out on top in that. The Steelers at the Bills. Okay, I was so I mentioned that I would talk about this a little bit. Josh Allen did not look good in this game. And I wish that I could say that I didn't predict that that would happen. But after the year that he had, it's like, you know, I was just talking about with Lamar. It's when you have this type of performance immediately after a calendar year, there, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but there's a risk there's a risk that there's going to be a regression. And the Bills' main problem is that they're riding in the exact same stride they had last year. Josh Allen threw the ball 
51 times in this game. That is absolute lunacy. 51 times in this game. Josh Allen should not have to be throwing the ball 51 times in this game. And, you know, 30 for 51 is not the worst stat ever, but it's, you know, you're throwing the ball 51 times. It's not going to... Josh Allen had two fumbles. Just not not a solid game performance from him. And I think that we're going to see a bit of a regression here. Do I think he's going to be this bad the entire season? No, I do not think he's going to suddenly plumb and become one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. But I do think he's going to be probably an average to slightly, probably an average to slightly below, slightly above average quarterback in that range. Because I think last year was an anomaly where there's a formula that was working and the film and, and everything else that goes with that. I think we're going to have to wait and see where Josh Allen lands up in the middle of this year and, and if he, and what's an anomaly, if this week was an anomaly or if last year was. Or this week plus the year before last year, so we'll have to we'll have to wait for that. Um, the Chargers at Washington. A lot of quarterbacks have a stellar second year and not as good of a first. That's a very common thing. I don't remember what happened with Carson Wentz. His second year was way better than his first. That's one example. And and I guess Mahomes technically his second year was probably like his first and a half year, but, and when you look at, uh, when you look at Justin Herbert, just, there's a lot of pressure on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert had a standout rookie performance and he's obviously in danger now because of that, of the sophomore slump. The other thing, the other reason is he has pressure on him is because the Chargers are in a position now where they're, they've been this team forever that puts together Great highlight. This was under Philip Rivers too. Great highlights, very close contests, so many and, and and not countable level of overtime games. I mean, I remember there was a year they started zero and five, but they were within one score for pretty much every game in that stretch. They just lose close games. They compete with everyone, and then when it counts, they're either not in the playoffs or they're out round one. And so for the for the Chargers. You have to see a level of elevated success here. You have to see a progression with Justin Herbert that they're heading into the right direction. I mean, he has weapons now. He has, you know, Oz Neckler's been good. Keenan Allen has been good. And you, you're in a position where Herbert is, is, has that chance to succeed. We need to be seeing an upward trend and he needs to avoid the sophomore slope. I hate to bring up another quarterback, but looking at the Eagles and Falcons, Jalen Hurts is, again, a candidate for that sophomore breakout year, um, where his first one was, his first year was okay. And Jalen Hurts has a chance now to really solidify himself in this conversation for this year as, as one of the best quarterbacks. So fantastic performance in week one. And I feel, uh, obligated to, to mention that L- Logan sent me, sent me this, um, which was that um, apparently Jalen Hurts has more regular season 300-yard passing games in five career starts than Lamar Jackson has in 38 career starts. Jalen Hurts has two in five. Lamar has one in 38. Uh, I feel obligated to say that because Logan very excitedly sent me that stat. So I think it is it, it is interesting that Jalen Hurts now is on 
he can kind of choose his own destiny. And at a great week one, let's see what 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 happens this year. I think he's a prime candidate if I had to put my money on it for having that second great year. Um, now, Jacksonville and Houston, I'm honestly, I'm going to skip it. The reason I'm going to skip it is because I don't want to talk about Trevor Lawrence. Tell me when Trevor Lawrence does something notable and I'll talk about it. I'm, otherwise, I'm not giving him the time. I There are players a la Trevor Lawrence, a la Tua um, a couple of years ago or when he was coming into the league, a la Zion in the NBA that have so much hype placed on them that by the time they get into the league, I'm sick of talking about them. And unless Trevor Lawrence does something that to make me talk about him, I'm not going to talk about him on the show. Deal? All right. Dallas at Tampa Bay. Actually, wait. First, something about the game. Shout out Teddy Bridgewater. All right. Where is the Denver game? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I want to skip to... Shout out Teddy Bridgewater. Denver beat New York. Is it a big deal for Denver? Yes, because Denver has had a tendency to fall behind early in the season. I think with Teddy Bridgewater, um, we're going to see a little bit of... Um, we're going to see a little bit of a validating moment here. He obviously had a stint with the Vikings, had a horrible injury, then went to the Saints and kind of was the backup until he got signed. And then, you know, he was in Carolina and, you know, uh, similarly tough issues. Now in Denver, Teddy Bridgewater has a chance to be a leader on a team where people are going to recognize that it's his contribution that got them to whatever place that they end up in. So if, Denver decides to be good this year, and they're good. People are going to give him the credit that, you know, he frankly deserves. So I was pretty happy to see him balling out a little bit. Um, the Giants, Daniel Jones still sucks. I, I don't know what to say about that, He other than he, he he's, he's terrible. So, yeah, no, Daniel, you're not going to – he's not the guy. Like, I don't know what to say. I, I've said this so many times. And the Giants – the Giants don't listen to me when I tell them to do things. You know, the Giants didn't listen to me when I told them trading Odell is a bad idea. The Giants didn't listen to me when I said drafting Saquon at number two was a bad idea. The Giants didn't listen to me when I said draft an actual quarterback, not Daniel Jones. <laughs> so I bid them good luck, but unless Saquon is 100% healthy, comes back and, and, and destroys the league, I you're not winning with Daniel Jones. That's not a thing that's going to happen. And Daniel Jones and um, his cousin brother Mac Jones um, are very similar because with, you know, the New England game and, you know, um, good on Tua for, for getting the win as far as, you know, those expectations go as I was just mentioning. But with Daniel Jones and Mac Jones, they both get given credit for these weird intangible things that it feels like most quarterbacks aren't giving credit for. When I look at like Russell Wilson his intangibles are like pretty tangible. You can tell that Russell Wilson is a very good leader. There are measurable things that he does where it's like weak like was for the offensive line, you know, showing up at a certain time, like, you know, really always promoting the message, hosting a training camp with the receivers, there, right? But Daniel Jones and Mac Jones are just always given, oh my God, these guys are such great leaders and and they're 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 just here to win and body, body, body. And especially with the Mac Jones, where we heard stories about like how well, he ran laps with the offensive line at, at practice. Big whoop. Like, he he didn't want his first touchdown ball because he's so committed to winning. Like, give me a break. I mean, he didn't want his first touchdown ball because he was so committed to winning. That's, ugh. 
I, we need to stop giving people credit for things until they deserve the credit because there's another side of this, which is that every single time, which is every single time a player that is a little flashier does something, they are crucified. And it's just guys like this need to prove that they are good football players before getting this level of credit. Like the intangibles cannot be the only thing that you're providing. And listen, I'm not saying Mac Jones had a horrible day. He statistically had the highest completion percentage in a week one start of a rookie ever. So there's that. Um, I'm not ready to condemn Mac Jones as a bad quarterback. I'm excited to see him play throughout this season. But as far as Daniel Jones, I mean, I feel like the script is written. Like, I don't think we're going to see Daniel. You can sue me if I'm wrong. I don't think we're going to see a situation where Daniel Jones suddenly becomes a top quarterback in the league. That's never going to happen. Or even an above average quarterback in the league. I don't think that's going to happen. He fumbles too much. He, the only times he can make plays are when they're perfectly scripted for checkdowns, and, you know, he's not good. End of that story. Um, briefly, Tyrod Taylor in Houston, you know, I know I said I wasn't going to talk about Jacksonville in Houston, but briefly, shout out to Tyrod Taylor. Um, he's dealt with probably more adversity than maybe any other quarterback in the league right now, uh, especially with the whole punctured lung incident with the Chargers, which is the weirdest quarterback not starting story I've ever seen. But congratulations to him. Um, not talking about the Jacks. So now we're going to get into the good crop of games. I kind of gave very short things on on um on everybody else and i've got th- uh four games that i want to dig a little bit deeper into and um yeah so this is the good part bears at Rams. speaking of not good parts stop giving chicago sunday night football stop 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 doing it we don't want to see i get that chicago is a big market i get that there's a lot of bears fans Every year, we are forced to watch the Chicago Bears on primetime, and especially on Sunday Night Football, and it's always a terrible game. And this game was, like, within a couple scores, but we knew who was going to win the entire time, and it was really, really boring, except for, like, the three plays that Justin Fields was on the field for. I Stop giving Chicago Sunday Night Football. I also... You know, and, and this is not a hot take by any means because I feel like a lot of people are saying this, but the the whole thing with like, let's wait and see with these quarterbacks and mentor. We have to mentor these rookie quarterbacks. We can't throw them into the fire. Throw them into the fire. It's been proven time and time again that starting your rookie quarterback is a better idea than waiting for them to be mentored and then by week five or six, they can come in after the whole fan base is demanding it. Let's not do this again. They're going. The Bears are going to do it again with Andy Dalton and... and and Justin Fields. And this is no indictment on Andy Dalton. I just think that if you draft Justin Fields to be the starter, give him, let him be the starter and have a chance to actually make a difference instead of just coming in for four plays and doing whoop-de-doo. But yeah, as far as the Rams, the Rams, the Rams scare me. I mean, I, the NFC West is, it's getting truly ridiculous. And there's so many big names in this division that you can't even count at this point. And the Rams getting Matthew Stafford, uh, for all those, tra- all those, you know, things. AJ Green and JJ Watt and to, to the Cardinals and, and, and with San Francisco getting everybody healthy again. And all that being said, Matt Stafford to the Rams was the scariest move coming from a Seattle perspective in the entire division, in the entire league. 
because the Rams just took their one weakness, which was quarterback, because Jared Gosling belongs in Hollywood, not in the NFL, as I always say, and turned it into a strength because Matt Stafford is a walking stat sheet, and he has the ability to put up those stats no matter what. And if you combine that ability with an actual roster of really, really talented players, the league should watch out. So... Yeah, I'm terrified when when the Seahawks play the Rams. I'm terrified for 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 uh, Matthew Stafford is is the thing that is the piece that they needed. It's rare that a team just gets the the missing puzzle piece like that, but they did. And um, oh my god! So yeah, um, watch the Rams. I'm scared every time I watch them. But figure it out. <laughs> The Seahawks, after winning, you know, when you find out the NFC West won, every single team in the NFC West won, and every single team in the NFC North lost, and the Seahawks, just by winning, are last in the division right now. I just think that's funny. Um, Okay, three more games to talk about. Cleveland at Kansas City. Three notes about this game. Number one, I thought Baker was good. I think expecting Baker to make some game sa- game winning play after giving the Chiefs a window is too is asking too much. You can't give the Chiefs a window when you're beating the Chiefs by one score, two score, three score, however more. You just have to keep scoring. You cannot stop scoring. If you stop scoring, you've lost. That's just how it works with the Chiefs. They've shown it time and time again. If you get stopped on offense, even if you're up two scores, if you get stopped on offense twice, you're done. You lost. You lost the game. And so expecting Baker to come in there, you know, the pick at the end, sure, it wasn't great, but like, you know, expecting Baker to come in through the clutch there, I think that's asking too much of Baker. I think that that's pretending that Baker's paid Manning. He's not. So I think Baker did his job. I think the Browns did surprisingly well. Which brings me to my second note. They did well, again, without Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know why he's not in the field yet. Odell had a solid offseason, and I'm waiting for him to make a return to the field. It is concerning that that hasn't happened yet. He's also been ruled out for week two, which makes me think that this may be an ongoing issue. Uh, don't like to see that. Not good news. Uh, Mahomes, as I just mentioned, classic Mahomes. He's going to be probably the best quarterback in the league again, and we should get used to that every year. That's all I have to say about that. Moving on to the last two games. Let's go to Seattle and Indianapolis. Um, I was at this game. It was pretty sick. Um, just a couple notes about this game. Um, I don't want to talk about it overly long because I'm most excited about the last one. But uh, number one, wow, Russell Wilson and Shane Waldron work. <laughs> uh, we were all, Seattle and then Seahawks fans and everybody, we're all holding our breath for how this combination would work and whether Russell Wilson was going to air it out. And I'm confident in saying I saw some classic Russ moon balls as they call them during that game um there is no more exciting moment not just in football but in sports than when Russell Wilson loads up and heaves it and you have like the five second period where you're just watching it go up 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 and then land in Tyler Lockett's hands for a 69 yard touchdown that was probably the best part of my whole year um getting to see that live and in an indoor stadium watching it almost hit the roof basically and 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 drop into the that was incredible um Tyler Lockett uh it continues to be one of the most underrated receivers in football and uh and Russell Wilson you know being able to air it out and being able to have the reins again and, and work with Shane Waldron so well uh the scheme looks fantastic the offensive scheme looks fantastic where 
you have the exact same setup. And, and Tyler Lockett talked about this after the game, but you have the exact same setup for a lot of plays that do very, very different things. It's the same motions, the same people doing those motions, different people doing those motions, and all of them do different things. And the execution level was fantastic. The the lack of mistakes, the the trickery was was great. Uh, the simple trickery, and really can tell that like Shane Waldron is from the Sean McVay tree. And watching Russell Wilson in a Sean McVay esque offense, even if it just was was just for one week against you know, a, by the way, a pretty good defense. This was not against this was not against a, cra- a crappy defense. This was against one of the better defenses. And to see them do that um, and enact that offense was so exciting. In fact, that's the only thing I want to talk about in that game. I, I look forward to seeing how it goes against Tennessee and if they can keep this going for more than five weeks. Okay, I've beat around the bush for long enough. Let's talk about the game, the last game, the game that, you know, well, okay, I guess I missed one more. Uh, Dallas at Tampa Bay. Dak looked good. Cool. The Bucks are the Bucks. Um they look like the same bucks from last year. They look good. Okay, the real last game that I was going to talk about and I'm most excited about, New Orleans Saints. Wow. Jameis Winston. How about that, Jameis? There was one quarterback that threw five touchdowns in this game. There was one quarterback that was crappy and threw two interceptions. Jameis Winston was the quarterback that threw five touchdowns, and Aaron Rodgers was like, that... I, oh my God, I could not have drawn the script out much better. This is, I mean, coming out of the Seahawks game and just watching this game on TV was so fantastic. Jameis being in the system with Sean Payton and finally getting the starting role, just which we all knew was going to happen, but just being being that guy was just so entertaining. I don't know, as a football fan, you have to just enjoy this. Just give it props. Was incredible. Um, Aaron Rodgers had. It, here's a fun fact that I saw. If you throw the ball and the quarterback as the quarterback, if you throw the ball into the ground every single play, your passer rating is thirty nine point six. Aaron Rodgers had a thirty two point eight passer rating. He blamed one of the picks on uh, on a hit he took in the groin area. Um, he said they got their money's worth on that one. Um, the, the quote unquote double nut shot. Uh, and I would feel bad except for the fact that I've seen an interview where Aaron Rodgers says that he doesn't wear a cup. A la Adrian Beltre. These things just kind of happen. And so, uh, that's apparently what one of the picks was, but the rest of the game kind of followed suit. Jameis, I think if, if this pace with, with a very established scheme, so I, I don't see why it wouldn't, if this pace and, and level of success keeps up, I don't see why comeback player of the year is not in the cards. I mean, it was just awesome to see. Just, just a great story to keep track of. So, this going into this next week, um, I think that there's a lot of of matchups. And I, you know, in this week one, we had a few good ones. The Giants play the Washington Football Team tonight. I don't really think that that's you know relevant but as far as good matchups go this week the only ones that i'm very very interested in um are the chiefs ravens obviously sunday night football and you know the titan seahawks will be good um and i think 
you know, as far as the other matchups go, we could probably predict who's winning every single one. Uh, at Giants at football team, I wouldn't see why football team <laughs> couldn't win that one. Raiders Steelers probably probably going to be probably going to be the the steel the Steelers. I mean that, that's a that's a coin flip. Uh, 49ers are probably going to be the Eagles. Uh, the, the the Browns are probably most likely going to be the beat the Texans and and so on and so on. So it's pretty predictable this week. Cowboys Chargers is another one that could be good. But the point is. I think that we're going to get to a point in about week four or five where the league starts to take shape. And this happens every year. Once the bye weeks start is where we know who's good and who's not. Week one does not give us that much statement. That being said, I, you know, I've been, I have somehow managed to talk for 40 minutes with this voice. I apologize if it was that, if it was irritating. Um, and, and, and I cannot be more excited for week, week two coming up um i enjoyed watching football so much i forgot how much i enjoyed just watching football for nine hours on sunday and i'm could not be more excited to do it again uh one last thing i want to talk about before we end there are two last things the first thing is uh novak djokovic and as far as the tennis world novak djokovic lost in the u.s open final uh to daniel medvedev and that was it was hard to watch him kind of sob on the on the side of the court and the really sad part about this is that this was the first time in New York and he said this that I'd ever seen him get the full support of the crowd he had the entire crowd behind him and that's the one game in the biggest moment of you know of the year where you know you're going to complete an impossible feat where it doesn't happen and so i say that you know there's these moments that are look like they're going to be picture perfect and look like it's going to happen and then it doesn't but i have faith that you know he's going to bounce back and he's already probably the greatest player in the history of tennis as far as how much that gap will widen i don't know but that was that was a little bit tough to watch second thing i want to talk about is i'm going to do a new thing every week where i talk about the meme of the week um and the meme of the week this year um, is going to be uh, there's a few things I'll mention some candidates and then I'm going to talk about the, the this week's winner uh, Russell Wilson <laughs> giving a strategy uh, on overtime is a candidate Russell Wilson's idea is that we change overtime rules so that you there's if you don't score during the first overtime instead of it being a tie. Uh, you, there's another coin flip and the winner of the coin flip gets to decide if your team kicks a long field goal or has the other team kick a long field goal for the win. It is a fairly out there idea. However, I would be a fan of that idea. I don't like ties. I don't think anyone likes ties and anything that can stop that from happening. Let's go for it. I already talked about the Panthers mixed reality Panther. Um, the Mariner Moose got hit by baseball. Uh, I, I say, how dare that batter even try to to flick a foul ball like that i mean it's it how the mariner moose is the best mascot in sports fight me on this he is the best he's he's adorable and awesome um matthew stafford's wife was at the game or was she they showed a random person in the rams game and said she was matthew stafford's wife that's another one uh russell westbrook had several terrible terrible outfits this week uh sierra had a great outfit this week where she wore a dress that was made to look like russell wilson's color rush jersey and a super bowl ring that was awesome but as you as you see uh this as you see this week um i'm going to have to go with 
a Jameis Winston moment. A Jameis Winston moment that signals signifies that he might be one of the new kings of football. And I'm going to have it downloaded, but I'm just going to play it right now so that you guys can hear um, what he said. How did the defense in the running game give overall shape to the way this played out, Jameis? I just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. Meme of the week. And with that, Thank you so much for stopping by Nishant's World, where we just get to sit around and talk about sports for about 45 minutes. Uh, I had a blast. I hope you did too. I'm so excited for this week of football. And as always, safe travels back to Earth.